Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This is Ben Olson in Washington, D.C. Actually, no, today I'm in Virginia, Vienna, Virginia. I'm just so used to saying Washington, D.C. that I slipped. Um, where are you, Nathan? I am in Los Angeles. Is Vienna home? You're recording from home? Yeah, recording from home today. Nice. No office today for you. Uh, I'm going to go in, but not until later. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Kids are at school, so it's quiet enough. Kids are at school. The dog is finally chilled out, so there is no noise. <laughs> you know how I feel about dogs. If there's an interruption, I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, I know. I'll just I'll just run outside and and take care of her and do whatever she needs. That's <laughs> yeah. That's what I got to do. Um, yeah. So today we we have a couple things that we should start out by talking about. We have the uh, our YouTube channel, which is um, you can find it by going to thinkinglset.com forward slash blog forward slash YouTube. And a lot of people have already started to subscribe for it. We have 84 subscribers right now. So nice. thank you everyone for subscribing. Once we get to a hundred, we can actually get a custom URL, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, just go to thinkinglset.com forward slash blog forward slash YouTube subscribe, uh, check out the podcast there if you want to catch up on any past episodes in YouTube for whatever reason. <laughs> people should people should do it just so that they don't have to ever hear us say thinkinglsat.com slash blog slash YouTube ever again. Yes, if you go please. and do your part and hit the subscribe button, we will never have to say that again. So hopefully next week we'll have our 100 and we won't have to ever say that again. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that Matt, who works for me, has been putting the podcast into a ton of different, um, I guess, podcast mediums or aggregators <laughs> platforms. Yeah. yeah aggregators. Um, so one of them is Stitcher. Is that the one that most people have asked about? Um, a lot of people use Stitcher before the Apple podcast app got a lot better. Uh, I used to use Stitcher. And I think it's one of the most common ones on Android. So I think Android users might use it a lot. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Stitcher was the first one that I remember being able to stream podcasts on. Because previously, it was like you had to download them via iTunes. Mm. Um, that was before the the new um, podcast app got you know improved. And so the new the Apple Podcast app now will let you download them in advance, but it'll also let you stream them and listen to them at the same time. So Stitcher was the first time that I remember being able to stream podcasts. Cool. So it's still it's still one of the big players, but big players, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Matt has added us to several, including I can't remember them all now, but um you can find them if you go to thinkinglsat.com forward slash blog, you'll see them all on the uh the right side of the screen. But one thing about Stitcher is, um, or I guess right now in iTunes, we have 165 reviews. So, wow, thanks to everyone for leaving reviews and helping other people find the show. If you can do that on Stitcher and these other places, that'd be good as well. Because um, I guess they're pretty review <laughs> empty right now, just because they've never been there before. Yeah, if, if you want to do us a favor, just drop us a review wherever find us wherever you can find us and, and drop us a review, please. I just decided to look for us on um, Spotify and I'm not seeing it on Spotify. Was that on our list too? Of play? Cause I know, po I know Spotify now has podcasts. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. Let's see here. I have the whole list here. So we're in iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Acast. I have no idea. Pocket Casts. Okay. Um, Blue Blueberry, and then Player. So I guess um, maybe that one hasn't been approved yet. I don't oh, know okay. how that works. I'm sure that's got to be on the list, though, because everybody uses Spotify all the time. So Yeah. That sounds like a big one. Anyhow. Cool. What else do we have on the agenda? Just our unending backlog of emails? Yeah, that's right. Just uh, tons of emails. Should we jump in? Sure thing. Yeah. All right, I can take this first one. Hey, Nathan and Ben, I came across this post on the Law School Admissions subreddit and wanted to get your opinions on the author's conclusion. Um, the bottom line here is pretty much everyone applying with above a 174 has to be admitted to H-Y-S-C-C. What does that stand for, Nathan? That's a new one for me. I mean, it's got to be Harvard, Yale, Stanford, but then are they adding in Columbia. two others? Columbia and what, Chicago? Probably. Cornell. Who says H-Y-S-C-C? <laughs> Jesus Christ, lawyers are nerds. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> okay, this is a new one for me. There's Because we've had the top... It used to be tier one, tier two people would talk about. Then people started talking about the top 10. Then they started talking about the top 14. Mm-hmm. Then people started referring to HYS. Now apparently there's HYSCC. We're adding in some additional schools. HYSCC. Wow, that's a long acronym. <laughs> HYSC squared. Still pretty long. <laughs> That'd be better. <laughs> HYSC squared. I like that. Or you could just do HISS for short. So it's theory that everyone applying with a 174 or higher has to be admitted to those schools or else they would not be able to maintain their 75th percentile of 174 or higher. Okay. Uh, The correspondent here goes by the name of Money. Money says, I don't completely buy it, but it does seem to be supported by some evidence. Additionally, with schools lowering their admission standards due to the lower number of qualified applicants as opposed to a few years ago, do you think that it is possible for someone with a meh GPA of 3.0 but a 174 or higher to get into these schools, or is that just a pipe dream? Even if these schools have to accept almost every 174... (laughs) Or higher. They don't have to accept every single one of them. And the ones they don't accept are the ones with low GPAs. But, um, I don't know. 3.0 doesn't sound horrible. I just think you would be paying full price. And it would depend on the other parts of your application. That's my sense. What's your sense? Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of someone getting into one of those schools with less than a 3.0. Or with with a 3.0. Okay, so you're feeling like this is a pipe dream. Well, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm actually saying go ahead and apply, you know, I mean, see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. But it's, it's also very, (laughs) let me put it this way. There are a lot more people talking about being a 3.0 and a 174 plus than there are actual 3.0 and 174 pluses. Yeah. This feels a little bit like stats debating on, on the part of money. It is. Where it's like, wait, hey, money, do you actually have your 174? Or are you just talking about what it would be like if you did have a 174? Yeah, I assumed that money did 
because I didn't I'm see the point of this discussion. I'm going to go ahead and assume that money did not. Does yeah, not. I think you're you're um, raising a good point since uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was being pretty generous here. Money never says that money. Yeah, <laughs> what a it's, name! It's money stat- got it's, it's statsturbating. It's like it's just it's really easy to sit around going like, oh well, my dream of Harvard, Yale, Stanford is probably over because I got a shitty 3.0 in my undergrad. But oh, but maybe if I just was able to get a 174 or higher, and it's like, meanwhile, your actual practice tests are 162, which yeah. is good. Don't get me wrong; that's great. Good job. You know, you're on the right track. But if sitting around fantasizing about a 174 when um, one out of a hundred people are uh, going to get that score, mm-hmm. less than probably. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. If you do have your 174, uh, you should go ahead and apply and see what happens. It doesn't hurt you to see what happens. If you don't have your 174, you should stop stop fantasizing and just go do the studying. And if you don't apply with a 174, you'll never get in. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it, it's worth the whatever hoops they want you to jump through for the chance that you might get in. Those are fantastic schools you're talking about. People that go to those schools, you know, end up kind of writing their own ticket into the legal career, basically do whatever they want. So um, if you can get there, go for it. Yeah. Generally speaking, (laughs) our listeners need to do less fantasizing and more actual LSAT work. I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks, Money. Um, Feel free to email us if you actually have that score. It'd be interesting to hear your rebuttal to our past complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I do have it, damn it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an extreme splitter, but I don't. There's just not that many of us out there. Yeah. You want to do this next one? It does make me think I should have applied to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, though, to see what would have happened. I I, de- I definitely you know sold myself short. I I was like. Oh, well, there would be no chance. I, why would I even bother? Mm-hmm. But then again, I did that in my undergrad as well. Have I already complained to you about my high school admissions, my, my high school like uh, college counselor? I feel like you did. I do remember you mentioning something, but I don't remember what it was. I'll just quickly complain about it one more time. Does it will it make you feel better? <laughs> it will. Well, I really because I just I really like feel the plight of um, people who grow up in small, shitty little towns and don't really have any advice in their life. Yeah, you know, because I was I'm a first generation college student and definitely first generation law student, and um, in my shitty little high school, they told me my 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 um, college counselor. Career. She was like all one stop shop. You know, she was like the one career counselor, college counselor for the entire school. Mm-hmm. But the school is not very big. It's like total of five hundred students. You know. Yeah. But anyway, um, I I like killed the PSAT when I was a sophomore and got a national merit scholarship, and then I killed the SAT. Like I think I had the highest SAT score that that my school had like ever seen, almost. Yeah. And my high school counselor told me not to apply to Stanford because someone had gotten in from the previous year's graduating class 
and that Stanford would never accept someone two years in a row from our school. So there was no point in me applying to Stanford. <laughs> and, I, do remember, I do remember that now. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. And didn't apply to Stanford. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so <laughs> and in retrospect, you know, it's just, uh, it's just insane that, um, any adult in that community would let that decision be made. Yeah. Like someone, there should be someone at that school forcing the top, this top. I, no, I wasn't a top student. I think I was like, there were a lot of people who got better grades than me in high school. Cause I was never really a good student, but they, they should have taken that SAT score and just been like, Hey, listen, we, we have to apply to all the top schools to see what happens for someone like you. Yeah. But, sure. uh, but nope, I had no good advice in my life and I ended up settling. I applied to a few UCs, uh, including Berkeley and UC Davis and got into both and decided not to go to Berkeley because it was like, Oh no, that's the big city. It's too scary. And I went to UC Davis, which was like much closer to home and still in the central Valley, like in a little farm town. Hmm. And, um, you know, a good school. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it's like these decision points where young people have the chance to entirely change their future by going to a different school, mm-hmm. and, and you got like nobody in their life telling them to make a better decision. Anyway, um, it's part of why I'm so strident now about yelling at people to make better decisions. Yeah. Um. Sorry. I don't know. I'm, uh, it's my therapy session. It's therapy time. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about that? <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, next email. Yeah. Hey, Nathan, feel free to share this with Ben as well. Okay. I will. This is long overdue, but I just wanted to thank you both for the podcast and for your advice after the June test. I retook in September and was able to go from a 166 to a 175. Wow. For someone who couldn't afford traditional classes or tutoring, it was very helpful to have a free resource like the pod out there. The fact that the show is a mixture of advice on the LSAT admissions and law school, plus the occasional dose of bullshit really helped me feel like I wasn't alone in this process. I know I can't take anything for granted, even with a great score. I still have a lot of work to do on my applications, especially to buff out some rough marks on my record. That being said, having a good score in my back pocket makes me feel like I have a chance. Expect to see something in the donation box later today. After all that you guys have done for me, please accept this as a modest token of my appreciation. All the best, Zach. I think we already covered Zach's donation last time. Yeah. Um... But yeah, 175. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, like we were just saying, I I would think that a 175 potentially opens the door to just about everywhere. I'd love to hear from listeners. If you have a 174 or higher and you got rejected by some top schools, we we would love to hear about it. Yeah. Or if you're an extreme splitter and you get into some top schools, we'd love to hear about that too. Um. I think just suffice to say, though, that moving from a 166 to a 175, no matter what your GPA is, is going to be a game changer. Mm-hmm. Like you say, Ben. I mean, <laughs> even if you have a 2.0, 
there are some schools that would deny you with a 2.0166. And those same, some of those same schools will definitely admit you with a 175. For sure. Oh yeah. Cool. Next one. Yeah. So this is a comment on our website, uh, thinkingoutside.com. It says, hi, Ben and Nathan. I graduated with a 3.68 in arts administration from a liberal arts college. I took the September LSAT and scored a 152 after poor review. Maybe didn't study enough. I've spent the past couple of months studying timed exams, reviewing my mistakes, and listening to your podcast along with another podcast that breaks down a few questions from the logical reasoning section and discusses why each answer is right or wrong and how to predict the answer. Hmm. I wonder what podcast that is. Yeah, write us back and let us know what what other podcast that is. Hmm. I've gotten my practice score up to 160. Great. I just took the December LSAT, but I'm determined to keep getting better at taking this test. I genuinely find it fun and challenging and stimulating. Plus, the more I study, the better I score, so I know I'm at least doing something right. I know you guys don't recommend taking the February LSAT for the same year's enrollment. However, I'm so eager to start law school and don't want to wait another year. Okay. For your life. Just remember this is for your life. (laughs) Yeah. I graduated undergrad in 2017 and have been working full-time as a document control analyst at a medical manufacturing company while living at home. I've also been applying for legal assistant and entry-level paralegal jobs. My plan was to only take a year to save up some dough and conquer the LSAT. Here are my questions. Do you recommend that I take the February LSAT and apply in fall of 2018? No. As opposed to this cycle. Wait. Oh, apply in fall of, not yeah. for fall 2018, but yeah. in fall 2018. Yes. Yes, we yes. do. Yep. Would it be too late to apply post-February LSAT and receive decent scholarships? Added context below. Yes. Uh, yes, it would. <laughs> um, I mean... Unless you're really lowballing which school you go to, Anyhow, right? Very- that's tr- that's true. That's a good point. Sorry, I didn't want to step on you while you. No, no, up. go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's it is true that if you're really just sort of slumming it, right? And mm-hmm. people do that for 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 good reasons. Like you own a home and you can't move, and your husband works at you know whatever the in the same neighborhood, or your kid goes to school, or. You have to take care of your ailing parents. And if the, for reasons, if you can't move and you're stuck in one certain place and you have to go to whatever your local school is, if that school is far beneath your, like if you look at, at, if you're, if you're a 90th percentile candidate there, like let's say you're above the 75th in both LSAT and GPA. Mm -hmm. Well then maybe if you apply after the February LSAT, they might still throw a scholarship at you. Yeah but not if you're close at all. And so our, our general blanket advice is you want to apply early and renegotiate so that you can get yourself the best deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can squeak out a deal in that situation where you're, where you're really, what did you say? What did you call it? You mm-hmm. didn't say slumming it. You said like low ball, maybe low ball, low ball in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so if if you are doing that, if you're dipping down at to a, if you're actually going to apply to a school that's far beneath your, you know, the kind of school you could get into, then maybe you might get a deal. Mm-hmm. But that's that only applies to people who really are going to 
going to stay at that one particular school. And if you're going to apply broadly, like we always recommend, and if you're, if you're geographically flexible, if you have the ability to go somewhere far, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to definitely not get as good a deal as if you apply in February or March. So we always are going to say, wait. Yeah. You have all life to enjoy your life. Why not just enjoy whatever you're doing now for one more year? Yeah. You're also, you're going to do, you're going to do more fun things now than you're going to do after you start law school. I mean, once you get into the hamster wheel, you're not getting out. Yeah. So take that extra year. People are so excited to just, dive into the grinder. But um, I think you'll be happy if you just chill out, enjoy your life for a little while longer, get yourself a better scholarship. Yeah. Sorry, did you want to read that asterisk? Yeah, let's read. So this is the context for, quote, decent scholarships. Um, Sarah says, this may or may not be relevant, but a friend of mine scored a 152 on the June LSAT and received at least half scholarships from all of the second and third tier schools that she applied to. Okay. She said it was a quick process and heard back regarding her application within a week from every single school with acceptances and scholarship. This seems risky to me because it's so last minute and there's no guarantee that they will still have spots and scholarships open. So wait, this this friend took it in June? and started law school a couple months later. Is that what yeah, this? Absolutely. Yeah. Just shitty schools. But yeah. Well, this, even yeah. you're getting this, your friend, Sarah, thank you very much for your email. Your friend is getting ripped off. Your friend is getting a terror is this is a terrible decision by your friend. I mean, your friend is not getting a half scholarship. They're paying half price, which means right. paying a lot of money to schools that, that, your friend probably should be going to for free or not going to at all. Right. A, a half scholarship is full price. Let's can we just start saying that, that yeah, that's basically can. what's going on. I mean, that's the average you, price, right? Like if you take <laughs> whatever you take everyone in this class and you take the amount that they're all paying and you divide it by the number of people who are in the class, the average price per student is probably about half of whatever the f- full freight. Amount yeah. Is. And, and that's the amount of services that you're actually going to get at that school, by the way. I mean, it, it, they've, they've artificially inflated the tuitions to an unconscionable forty-five dollars or $50,000 a year. It's just laughable. I mean, there's no way you're getting that much value out of your GAD, out of your JD. They don't do anything for you. They don't give you any services. <laughs> they put you in a big-ass room and lecture to you yeah. for 14 hours a week. And then they, they grade three exams at the end of the semester. I mean, that's what you're getting. You're getting essentially nothing and they're charging you 45 or $50,000 nominally. But like Ben just explained, the average that people are actually paying is like half of that. So everybody's getting these crazy scholarships and your friend thinks that he's getting a great deal. Oh wait, she, your friend, she thinks she's getting a great deal, but she's, she's totally getting ripped off. I mean, with a 152, I don't even know that she should be in law school to begin with. Like, I don't see this working out very well for her legal career wise. Mm-hmm. And she's getting, oh, that's so great. They gave me $22,000 a year scholarship. Oh, okay. So you mean you're paying them $22,000 a year for your JD plus your living expenses. You're still going to graduate with $100,000 in debt. 
Oh man. And with a 152, depending on what state you live in, especially your bar passage rate could be your chances for the bar could be really shitty. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah, but I'm really worried about your friend. Sorry, Ben, what were we going to say? Oh, I don't I Just like, yeah, if, if you don't pass the bar, then you've just wasted three years of your life and money. But I was thinking the fact that every single school got back within a week shows just yeah. how eager they are to give them that money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nothing. it's not it's, a good deal. <laughs> it's nothing. It looks like a good deal, but it's nothing. So from now on, 50% scholarship is paying full price. That's that's half scholarship is full price. There you go. I mean, you no one ever should pay more than that. You just should not pay full price. Period. I mean, there's you shouldn't pay even half price though. <laughs> I mean, don't pay for law school. So, Sarah, your friend is paying for law school. Yeah. Don't pay for law school. It's just it's simple. Um so Sarah, please wait, apply early. Negotiate yourself a full ride or don't go. I think that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, I think people think we're probably saying that in jest, but I, I am dead serious. If it were my money, you know, if you were mm-hmm. my kid or if it was me making my own decision again, if I had it to do over again, I would 100% either get a scholarship, full, full scholarship or don't go. The, the way the system, they've set up the system so that you're an idiot if you pay. So that's the game now. So don't be an idiot. Don't pay. Yeah. All right. I'd be willing to pay for a top 10, I think, if you're ambitious enough to go into big law. It, it depends like- where you draw the line. And, and maybe, maybe it's even outside the top 10. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in Los Angeles. Like, good things happen to people who go to UCLA. Not everybody, but a lot of good things happen to a lot of people who go to UCLA. Yeah. And if you have big law aspirations and and that's if if that's what you want to do, it can be worth paying full price to UCLA. Yeah. But it's not worth paying full price to these tier 2 tier 3 schools. You're not going to be able to get any kind of a job. What are you doing? Yeah. All right. Um Is it me? It is. Hey Ben and Nathan, please call me by a funny fake name like quote Splitty. Okay. Splitty. First of all, thank you so much for doing the podcast. You guys are hilarious and insightful. I've loved listening to you throughout this crazy journey. Ah, thanks. I just took the December LSAT first time, and I'm planning to apply this year. I also signed up for February as a backup. There will be a short window between December scores posting and the deadline for canceling February. Application deadlines are soon after that, so I'll be making some decisions quickly after getting my score. Um, well, Splitty, you got lucky because they announced those scores early this year. So you had a little more time to make your decision than you thought. So that's good. Um, okay. My cold diagnostic in September was a 166. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. And my practice tests leading to December were floating between 171 and 177. Hopefully my actual score is similar. I also took the GRE last year, scoring 167 math slash 170 verbal. Max score is 170 for each section. My dreams are set on the top 14 or a major scholarship at a top 20, top 30 school. 
However, my GPA of 2.76 in finance, yeah, yeah, almost as bad as mine, is vastly below the 25th percentile for every school I'm applying to. This disparity with my test scores essentially boils down to overextending myself in college. For three years, I served as treasurer for four student organizations simultaneously with a sprinkling of other leadership positions. I performed in three different music groups, 15 hours of rehearsal plus three performances per week. Junior year, I started consulting for the government and publishing scientific research papers on the side. I also founded a startup company halfway through school, won a variety of awards, and raised VC funding. Holy smokes. Um, I have some thoughts about all that, but... Maybe I'll get a little further into it before I does so that all that just um to me not that I don't trust Splitty, but as a skeptic generally, mm. that all sounds like bullshit to me. I I, I feel like if you tried to put all that into a document to a to a skeptical um, admissions person. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to have a hard time buying all that. Yeah. <laughs> you have to provide details. For three years, Splitty is the treasurer, specifically the treasurer, which is kind of funny. That's like, wow, you really want to control the money. For The treasurer of four different student organizations with a sprinkling of other leadership positions. What? Yeah. And then performing in three different musical groups music groups with three performances per week okay that's already like a human can't do this and then now junior year we're consulting for the government and publishing scientific research papers on the side (laughs) wait what and founded a startup company won a variety of awards like what and raised VC funding. I, I'm sorry. It just is this splitty. I trust you. I, I, I believe you, I think. But your story sounds like bullshit. It sounds like a lie. This sounds like Donald Trump's CV. Yeah. Where you're just straight up making things up. <laughs> yeah. How much of this is like, well, either straight up lie or, take something and make it sound much more amazing than it is like raised VC funding. What does that mean? Did you raise anything that's a straight up lie or did you raise like $10,000 or are you talking like a half a million dollars? Those are very different kinds of fundraising (laughs) events. So um, won a variety of awards. Like, yeah. Like what awards? That's a Trumpian thing to say, right? Oh, I've won all the I've won all the best awards. <laughs> yeah, and with many great awards, <laughs> I've won. We've done so many amazing things in the first 100 days. No president has done anything as much <laughs> as I have. Junior year, I started consulting for the government. What? This sounds like. Um, <laughs> 
I know I was talking about movies last time, but I Tanya is hilarious. I Tanya is a really good movie. It's it's so funny, it's so awesome. Yeah. About the whole uh, Tanya Harding thing, you know. Yeah. And um, the bodyguard guy. Do you remember the bodyguard guy in the whole Tanya car? The whole Tanya Harding uh, scandal. I had forgotten about it, but I saw it in the trailer. Like the he. No, who was the bodyguard? The, the bodyguard was the guy who. Uh, arranged for the hit basically he so he was he was the the ex-husband or the estranged husband's buddy who also was doing bodyguard services for tanya harding but he was the guy who he called he he's the one who called in the guys who went in and actually did the hit on nancy kerrigan but this guy he is the biggest buffoon and just liar Mm. and they show him talking about how He's just a straight up liar, okay? So they show him talking about how he he did all these like covert ops and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer's like, No, you didn't. And he's like, Yes, I did. No, you didn't though. But yes, I did. <laughs> and he's just sitting there. He's just straight up lying to the camera about all of his like um covert ops that he in his fantasy mind has done. Oh um my gosh. So, Splitty, I'm not accusing you. Or I'm really not accusing you of being a liar. It's just that all of this sounds like a lie. So, you've got to figure out a way to. You got to focus on what you want to talk about, and you, you can't be throwing all this stuff in there. And by the way, you know, Splitty's talking about using all of this to justify a 2.76 GPA, which makes you look like you made really. That, that's a very poor decision to do all this shit while getting terrible grades. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? If Why you, did you do that? If you did all this stuff and got horrible grades, but then went on to, um, you know, pursue the company that you had started, that would be a totally different story because you'd be saying that was more important to you than school, but you're planning to go to law school, which means school should be the most important thing to you. Um, right. Not. Yeah, if this was the right, if this was like um Bill Gates story and mm-hmm. then it was like and the next thing you say is like after 18 months I dropped out of school. Yeah. Then it would make a lot more sense, but no, you stayed in school and now you're trying to if you're going to law school, you really want to get into the machine. Like you you're wanting to be a cog in the wheel, in the wheels. Mhm. Cog in the wheels? Wait, cog in the machine. Cog what am I machine, even saying? Yeah. Cog in the you're you're like you want to be a, a cog in the machine if you're going to law school. But with this paragraph, it, it demonstrates that you're, it, it makes you look like you're not going to be what they're looking for. Like that you're all over the place, not prioritizing is just too much. Um, anyway, Final background info. I graduated almost seven years ago, so I would argue that my GPA is less relevant indicator of my current is sorry, is a less relevant indicator of my current capabilities anyway. During those years, I've had a very successful non-legal career full of achievements. <laughs> Among other things, I am currently director of operations for a relatively large global corporation. <laughs> it <laughs> the more i think about it the more it sounds like a complete lie um wow okay so here are my questions one 
Do you think that a more formal version of the above would make a, for a strong GPA addendum, or does it sound like excuses? It absolutely sounds like excuses. If you have all of these accomplishments, you should talk about your accomplishments and not be just yeah, ignore your GPA. Let them figure it out. They'll go. Oh, oh my. he was doing a lot. So, well, if you're actually currently director of operations for a relatively large global corporation, whatever that means. <laughs> It seems like that by itself will just explain it's it, who cares about all everything else. I don't know. I I'm, I'm thinking don't please don't write what you've already written. Cause it's just too much. You're going to, people are going to go into shutdown mode. They're just going to read that and go like, I don't believe you. So it's not that it sounds like excuses. I mean, I guess it does sound like excuses, but more than that, it sounds like a lie. Yeah. Number two, I was also diagnosed with ADD after college. I'm successfully treated for it now and did not request LSAT accommodations, though I probably should have. Would you mention that as a GPA addendum factor or leave it out? Hmm. Definitely leave it out. You didn't get accommodations on the LSAT. You weren't accommodated while you were in school. You're muddying the waters by bringing... It's just one more thing in this like big mess. <laughs> I, it's like, oh, and also I have ADD, that too. Let's put that in there. <sighs> when I'm December planning to res- go to Antarctica next month. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I'm an astronaut. <laughs> um, when december lsat scores come in what's the lowest lsat score above which you would recommend that i not retake in february uh, we can't answer that i have no idea practice test scores were between 171 and 177 hmm. i can't imagine telling somebody to retake if they had a 175 yeah even a 174 i would just say eh. like it's pretty good score <laughs> 99th percentile maybe just stop there yeah let's say that 99th percentile if you score less than 99th percentile retake it because you do have a lot of 99 percentile scores on your practice test record yeah unless you're lying about that too (laughs) (laughs) um are are some schools out of my reach because of my gpa even if it turns out that my december lsat was a 180 and given all of my soft factors like we were talking about earlier, you can always apply. You can always try. You just got to try and see. Yeah. Below which hypothetical LSAT scores would you say certain schools are a waste of time? Example, Harvard, Yale, Stanford only with 176 plus. CCN with 170. <laughs> this is, what is going on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what are these people? Who are you? <laughs> CC. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's hilarious. Ben, we're in this business and it's all we do every day. And we don't know what the fuck these people are talking about. <laughs> what is going on on top law schools, forums or Reddit or wherever the hell this bullshit is coming from. Oh man. <laughs> God damn it. Um, no, I don't. We can't. Sorry, we can't. Everybody's different. You are clearly a special snowflake. You are a unique 
candidate. You are a very, you're, you are, there is no other applicant who's exactly like you with your 2.76 and your VC funding and your global corporation and your 10 different organizations. You are a completely, I don't say unique unless I mean it. And you are a unique applicant. And so I'm not going to tell you that there's a magic number below which you shouldn't apply. Also, waste of time. You know, that's a thing that lawyers don't even think about. No, you're just going to apply to all of these. They may have random reasons for liking you. And you'd have no idea which school would have that reason and apply it to your application. It, uh, it, yeah. That's a real get- lawyer mm-hmm. is never going to worry about, oh, I wasted some time by applying to Harvard, Yale, and Stanford, and I didn't get into any of them. Oh, I wasted time. That's not a waste of time. That's a You took a swing at it. You took a shot at a truly elite school. Yeah. That is not a waste of time. Well, like the other day, we were talking about uh, Wicked's application, right? And she got into schools that... Um, were higher ranked than some of the schools that waitlisted her or rejected her. So, like, <laughs> you just don't necessarily know who's going to come back and say yes. Yeah. By yeah. the way, here are those schools. Um, obviously, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and then you have Chicago, Columbia, and NYU. I mean, it's not surprising. It's just it's funny the acronyms that people come up with. <laughs> Like there's that much of a difference between Chicago, Columbia, NYU, and you know the next three on the in the list. Yeah, which like, is well, Penn and Michigan and UVA, PMU, PMU, <laughs> or PU, PMV, 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 uh, PVM, PMV. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Any other advice for an older splitter like me? Um, get the best LSAT score you can apply broadly. Try not to sound like a crazy person in your application. You got to fix, you got to figure out some things to focus on your, um, (laughs) some students don't do a good enough job of, um, pointing out their accomplishments. Like they're too shy about their accomplishments. You do not have that problem. Splitty. You are really good, but it, it, it just sounds like you're pointing out everything you've ever done in your entire life. So if you really were treasurer for four student organizations simultaneously and you want to point that out, okay. But you do not need to also put with a sprinkling of other leadership positions. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, the, the Trump analogy is just too good. I'm sorry, Splitty. Uh, maybe you like Trump, and that's that's a good thing. But like, it's just how he talks, right? It's it's always vague and vacuous. So there's no way to like. I mean, it's so much of what he says is false, but it's vague, so people can fill in whatever he's saying. You know, we've done so much here. Done more the way than, he just keeps saying great yeah, as well, great and tremendous and excellent. Many great achievements many great accomplishments what specifically well a failed bill another failed bill <laughs> i don't know it's yeah crazy yeah so splitty and by the way splitty we we're, we're we believe you it's just that this sounds so crazy so you gotta you're just gonna have to do a better job of explaining yourself and you're gonna have to choose what to focus on and you know junior year I started consulting for the government and publishing scientific research papers on the side. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> like you're just tossing off a scientific research paper over here. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. In what over the field? weekend, I in did finance? this. Scientific research paper. Yeah, right. In finance with your shitty grades, with your 2.76, because, oh, I was, uh, no, I, I didn't have time to show up for my exam because I, I, I was too busy publishing this important science. Yeah. Like on what? Seriously. Yeah. This is very hard to believe. And papers nonetheless, right? Not just a paper. Not just, sometimes people will write one paper and it will take a lot of their time and they'll nail it out of the park and that will be something that they are proud of and have accomplished in their college career. But this is several papers, supposedly, on the side. And they were published. Wow. I mean, if they're published, then you can put them on your CV. Like yeah. if they're actually academic papers that you're proud of, you can put them on your CV I don't know that you need to mention them as an excuse for getting bad grades. I mean, that just sounds like such a fucking lie. It really does. <laughs> like, if people who publish scientific research papers get straight A's. Yeah. It, it, how hard? It's like, it's so much harder to publish papers than it is to get good grades. Yep. <laughs> as an undergraduate in finance, you're publishing scientific research papers, but you're not getting good grades. How is that possible? Oh, by the way, I also founded a startup company halfway through school, won a variety of awards and raised VC funding. Splitty is going to hate us. <laughs> no, I Splitty, we're, we're, we are, we don't know you. And so I'm, I'm definitely not accusing you of being a liar. I'm just making, I'm saying, I'm making it clear that a skeptical person is going to read all this and it sounds like you're a liar. So there's a difference. I'm not accusing you of actually being a liar. I'm accusing you of your story sounds like a liar and you need to fix that yeah so it's it's tough love i just want you to help you're gonna have to re-massage structure this in a different way leave out like 90 percent of it focus hey, with all these accomplishments you got plenty of good stuff to talk about so pick the most impressive one and talk about that but as far as like an addendum goes if you put all this in an addendum explaining your low GPA, it sounds like straight up lies. It sounds like you're just like, oh, let me throw in all these other made up things to justify my shitty grades. If you get your 170, whatever LSAT score, right? 173 or four or five or higher. If you get that, they're going to want you. They're going to want to believe you. And you can pick any one of these things to focus on in an addendum to explain your poor grades. But, you know, I mean, your startup and getting VC funding, how about that? If that's a legit thing and you actually did raise a million dollars or whatever it was while you were in school, go with that. That's yeah. going to be plenty. Or if you're publishing scientific research papers, I don't, I think no one has ever said the words publishing scientific research papers on the side. <laughs> this is the first time anyone has ever, ever expressed that thought. Like you're just tossing them off like, oh. What'd you do this weekend? Uh, I published a scientific research paper. You know. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> Did you study for your exam? No. <laughs> no. I, I was busy publishing a scientific research paper. And raising VC funding. <laughs> and winning a variety of awards. <laughs> like I'm imagining Splitty in like a tuxedo <laughs> on some red carpet getting getting all these accolades. The paparazzi is flashing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 
hilarious. Hilarious. And currently director of operations for a relatively large global corporation. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Hey, Splitty, why, why on earth do you want to go to law school? Yeah. You have so many other more interesting things you could be doing. You play in one of your four bands or do. Oh my God. Um, okay. Well, I think we, that's Splitty the Splitter. Thanks, Splitty. Thank you very much for listening. And, um, I hope, yeah, we're, we're not, we, again, I'm not accusing you of actually being a liar. You just sound like a liar. So don't do that. Um, I guess we could still promote this. We're, we're, we have potentially other things in the works, but if you are interested in trying one of our, uh, online classes, you can try those for free. And there's a lot to learn from them, by the way. Um, Instead of all your stats debating, you should start working on a better LSAT score. And one way you can do that is go to strategyprep.com slash free and check out all of Ben's uh, immense free resources. You can also go to my website, foxlsat.com slash free. There's a five-hour course there. It's meant to be super helpful. People all the time call me and they want to like ask why their LSAT like How do I get a better LSAT score? And I'm like, well, did you do my free class? And they're like, well, I registered for it, but I haven't really made it. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, stop calling me. What are you doing? Thank <laughs> you for your interest. Thank you for getting in touch. But the, the free resources are there because I want you to do them and I want you to benefit from them. And then we can talk. I don't understand what, why people don't just take advantage of those. So again, that's strategyprep.com slash free and uh, foxlsat.com slash free. Yeah. So it's like we have stats debating and you have um, uh, like, like materials. No, I don't even know what it is. It's like con- <laughs> contemplating, but all you're doing is like taking action that, <laughs> doesn't really do anything everything but study you know people yeah like they people definitely like to stack up materials Mm -hmm. like they'll get my they'll get my logic games book and they'll see my phone number in it and they'll immediately call me Mm -hmm. and they'll be like so i just was wondering what else what else i could do oh yeah and i'm like well how's the book going oh it's uh it's good i haven't really done it yet (laughs) no yeah (laughs) I get that all the time with my games book as well. People, it's like, okay, well, where are you at in the games book? Well, I, I, I see that it has a lot of games in it, and I, or or sometimes they'll do the games but won't watch the videos for them, and then they're sort of like, I'm struggling and having trouble getting better at them, and it's sort of like, well, what do you, what are you learning from the videos? Well, I'm not watching the videos. I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. Like what? That's where the progress starts to take place. You say, oh, I could have done it this way. I could have done it that way. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, maybe we could call it, it might be stacksturbating. Stacksturbating. So you stacksturbating, stop stacksturbating, and stop stacksturbating. <laughs> stacksturbating <laughs> is where, where you just stack up all of the LSAT resources. Like you get the you get the power score Bibles, all three of them, yeah. and just stack them up. You get the LSAT trainer, put it on top of that. You get my books, you put it on top of that. You just pile up a big-ass stack of LSAT stuff and then never do any of it. Yeah. Stacksturbating. And then meanwhile, you're statsturbating on uh, on the internet, trying to figure out what school you're going to get into once you finally get your 175 that you're never going to get because you don't do the work. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be our most hated show. <laughs> our most loved and most hated. Let's hope it's recording. Yeah, really. Mine is. <laughs> yeah, it's still going. All right. Next email? Yeah. This is me, right? now. Shoot, yeah, where are we? Go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Thank you for the Thinking LSAT podcast. You're welcome. A little background. Wow, this is like really formatted. I like these headings. Yeah, yeah it's like a story. Hmm. A, a little background is, is one line and it's all capitalized. Well, the, the it's title case, I mean. With a line break in between even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an essay. I stumbled mm-hmm. on the podcast when researching the LSAT. Uh, that was lucky. After listening to a couple episodes, I knew your study courses would beat the standard LSAT prep courses I saw on the market. So I signed up for Ben's course to prepare for the December LSAT. Oh, wow. I don't know who this is from. It says law school skeptic. Got to get rid of those two periods in between sentences. Oh, you, you mean That's two spaces. Two periods. There's two spaces. In, there's two spaces in between all of those sentences. Yeah. Yeah, those need to go. Is, it's one period these guys these days, folks. Let's get with the modern modern format. This is old school. Yep. I worked full time. I work full time, and it was assigned a new project. As a result, I didn't prepare fully for the December test. The deadline to withdraw had passed, so I decided to treat the exam as a stress and anxiety buster. I showed up and took the exam with the intention of canceling my scores before leaving the test room. Hmm. Yeah, if you take the test, just keep plan on keeping it unless you like yeah. have a heart attack. Right. Yeah, no, but going in planning to cancel is just a waste of time. That's a waste of money, waste of time. Just if you're going to take it, keep your score. Yeah. Okay. The tip. I blackened the ovals and signed my name on the answer sheet to cancel my scores. The proctor saw me do this and tried to talk me out of it. She was very nice. She said I could think about it and that I had six days to cancel my score online. I could see she was bothered by my immediate cancellation, so I erased the blackened ovals and erased my signature. Wow, you're accommodating a fellow homo sapien. I intended to cancel online within the six-day time frame. Two or three days after the test, I received an email from LSAC that my score had been canceled and the action was irreversible. That sounds like LSAC. (laughs) Yeah. It's done. That was a surprise. Even though I had erased my cancellation, LSAC still canceled my score. So I think it might be worth the podcast airtime to share this tip. Don't cancel your test scores using the two ovals and signature on the answer sheet on test day and then try to erase them. Okay, yeah, It's a unique case, but <laughs> don't do that. Wait until you leave the test area and then log on to LSAC's website to cancel your scores. Oh, that's, so, that's such a relief that you can do that online. Remember when you used to, used to have to like fax in? Uh, yeah cancellation mm-hmm. that wasn't even that long ago it was like three years ago it's just crazy yeah. that was an unexpected outcome although it was entirely my intention for someone else it might be an expensive nightmare hmm. i hope this gives a little back to our podcast community keep up the good work warm regards law school skeptic yeah well in general just don't uh plan on canceling even when you feel like things went horribly Chances are they went better than you thought and you're just panicking. So, Yeah, there's there's no point in going, especially going in with the intention of canceling. You should reserve your cancellation for a just double emergency. Like if something really crazy happens, 
Mm-hmm. Like the the girl next to you vomits all over the table, and you can't get the stench out of the air, and it really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's when you cancel your score. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you you probably could write a letter to the LSAC and get a free retake. But uh, I I would guess just because they can't be monsters, but um, <clears throat> you you shouldn't you just shouldn't cancel. There's no point in canceling. Law schools care about your highest score, so don't cancel. Yeah. And, and this, them fucking up or problems with the bubbling. I mean, it's not that uncommon, man. I was just looking at somebody's score report, Ben from prep test 83 from the December 2017 test. And, um, two, two students in a row actually that I had looked at their randomly looked at their, their, you know, the thing that shows what you picked picked and and what the answer is that sheet that people get. Yeah. And both students had zeros on their sheet on more than on, on like a question or two, mm-hmm. no, a zero, no, no response. Hmm. Yeah. And that's just such a chink in the armor. I mean, out of like <laughs> bare minimum, you need to make sure you bubble in a bubble for every question. Yeah. You cannot afford to leave questions blank. That's so bad. And so it made me wonder if the student actually left it blank or if they potentially errored. Cause if you bubble two bubbles, I think it shows up as blank hmm. on the, on the report. And so, and maybe if you bubbled and then erased and then rebubbled, mm-hmm. if you didn't erase cleanly enough, or if you didn't rebubble cleanly enough, it can show up as no response mm-hmm. and that's just bad times. So be careful with your bubble sheet. Yeah. You need to practice with bubble sheets. Like when you do your practice sections, you should be using a bubble sheet so that you can practice bubbling in the 35 minutes. But anyway, that's because that sounds like what happened with law school skeptic. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bubbling erasing error. Weird. I love that. She says, I hope this gives a little back to our podcast community. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. We have a little community. It's great. Um, okay. Next one. Yeah. Respected sir, Nathan and Ben. Whoa. I feel like we've just been this. like elevated. I know this is amazing. I just love Indians. They're so good. Or sorry, that was racist of me. This might be from Pakistan, which is not Indian at all, but it's close. Um, anyway, respected sir, Nathan and Ben, I hope this mail finds you in great peace and health. Ben, are you in great peace and health? Yes. You are? Are you? I am. You know, I'm doing the alcohol-free January. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's been surprisingly easy. But yeah, I'm 17 days, no booze for 17 days, which is like a probably the most I've gone in 10 years or something like that. So I am in great peace and health right now. Cool. Uh, I am a regular listener of your podcast for the last six months. I hail from Pakistan, a country located in South Asia. <laughs> that's awesome talking to an american and you like go ahead and put i hail from pakistan a country located in south asia that's it's very necessary for most americans you don't need to tell ben uh and you don't need to tell me where pakistan is but um <laughs> it's, it's a fair assumption that you have to say south asia um and a, a country like if you were explaining if this was you were writing to our president yeah 
you would need to say, I, I, this is a, a country located in South Asia. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he wouldn't care, but you would want to tell him. Yeah. Okay. I am an electrical engineer by profession, and I have been preparing for the LSAT for a couple of months. I have a full-time overstretched public dealing job that mostly turns from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Okay, turns. That's a strange word there. Probably meant like mostly runs or something like that. Maybe that's what they say in Pakistan. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Damn, those are long days. Those, yeah. Okay. Yikes. I am employed on behalf of State of Pakistan as a deputy commissioner in the Inland Revenue Service of the country. My initial score on a timed practice test 40 has been 139. Hmm. Logical reasoning, 22 total points. Reading comprehension, 8. Logic games, 9. I... Yeah, that's an uphill battle is what that is. <clears throat> I would like to assert that my schooling background is terrible, and there wasn't much space for critical thought and analysis. Moreover, since I have a science background, I am more inclined to see questions in absolutes. I am slowly learning the LSAT. I am devoutly following your advice regarding practice and accuracy. I normally devote an hour on a daily basis to LSAT preparation. Okay. Yeah. More power to you. Um, you are going to be fighting an uphill battle. It is really hard to get from 139 to 165, <laughs> but it's possible. Yeah. Um, you're going to need big, big improvements across the board. Um, it ain't going to be easy. But if you're doing an hour a day listening to the podcast, if you know, if you have a year or two, who knows what you might be able to achieve. Sir Nathan. I am reading your logical reasoning encyclopedia and logic games playbook. My kind regards for sir Ben Olson. Thank you. I find them fascinating and more than wonderful. I highly appreciate the quality and content that you have provided. Please accept my heartfelt felicitations on this singular Marvel. <laughs> Holy cow. I don't know. I can't imagine a more um, effusive review. Yeah, that's very nice. I, I thank you very much for listening. Thank you for reading. Thank you for studying with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your very kind words. That is, that is very nice of you to say. I have a problem regarding LSAT. With respect to logical reasoning, I am facing considerable difficulty on conditional statements used in sufficient, parallel, and necessary questions. Uh, Conditional statements can be used on all different types of questions, not just sufficient assumption, necessary assumption, and parallel reasoning. Mm -hmm. It sounds like Muhammad just doesn't understand really it's simpler than muhammad probably thinks right yeah an if then statement yeah 
thinking too much about what's going on there. You just have an if-then statement, and then you have false contrapositives, things that are not necessarily true, even though they might sound like they're true. If A, then B does not mean if not A, then not B. As long as you know that, then you can avoid common mistakes and yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it boils down to people just don't even understand like the definition of sufficient and the definition of necessary. Yeah, you know? this is actually a good refresher probably for everybody. But we're talking about if then statements. That's what a conditional statement is. Yep. Where if one thing is true, then another thing has to also happen. Um, so if you study for the LSAT, then you will improve your score. Mm-hmm. Um, the if is the sufficient condition and the, the definition there or the way I like to explain it is it's sufficient information. So the sufficient condition, it gives you sufficient information, sufficient information, sufficient just means enough. So enough information to prove one other thing. So that in my example, if you study for the LSAT, you will improve your score. <clears throat> studying for the LSAT is sufficient information. If I see someone studying for the LSAT, then I have enough information to know that their score is going to improve. Yeah. And you don't need to know anything else. That's it. Right. Cause the studying that's enough that then I know that you're going to improve. Um, another way of saying that is that improvement is necessary once I know that someone is studying. So if you're studying, I have sufficient information to prove that your score is going to improve necessarily. Your score will improve necessarily if I have this information about you that you are studying. Yeah, another way to think about it is because the if clause is the sufficient condition and the then clause is the necessary condition, those two names sufficient condition and necessary condition are just describing the relationship between those two conditions or events. And so the first one is sufficient for the second one, but it may not be sufficient for anything else. It's just sufficient for that. And the necessary clause or condition, which is in the then clause is a necessary thing for the if clause, but it may not be necessary for anything else in the world. Sometimes I think people think that they're like inherently sufficient or inherently necessary. It's just those two terms are describing the relationship between the if clause and the then clause. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's just, a, that's right. It's just an if then statement. That's all we're talking about. Yeah. And if you think about it in that way, the contrapositive makes sense because the contrapositive is just saying if, the necessary condition, if the then clause doesn't happen, then there's no way that the sufficient condition could happen, or the if clause, because it's necessary. <laughs> if a necessary thing is really necessary, then not doing it will create problems. Yeah, yeah. So I like to I like to explain. I like to talk about the the confusing sufficient for necessary mm. 
like when I teach it, I give the definition of sufficient, the definition of necessary. I always use an example. And then I demonstrate the flaw, Mm -hmm. basically mistaken reversal and mistaken negation, but I don't actually say those words Mm -hmm. because I just show them the two ways that you could fuck up the contrapositive. Yeah. So the given statement again was if you study for the LSAT, then I know you will improve. Mm -hmm. Studying for the LSAT is sufficient. Improving is necessary. And then the flaw is John improved his LSAT score. Therefore John must have studied. Mm -hmm. And in real life, that's probably (laughs) valid. But according to my example, you would not be able to say that because maybe he just took it again and got lucky, or maybe he got unlucky the first time, took it again the second time, his score improved even though he didn't study. Mm-hmm. So it's if, if the statement is, if you study, you will improve, it's then a flaw of logic to say, if you improve, you must have studied, because that's misunderstanding the difference between sufficient and necessary. It's also an error to say, John didn't study, therefore John didn't improve, and it's the exact same flaw. It's the same. It's the it's wrong for the exact same reason, which is maybe he got lucky the second time, or maybe he got unlucky the first time. He retook it. He got a higher score. He doesn't have to have studied. Mm-hmm. If he did study, then I know for sure he would improve. But the fact that he improved doesn't prove anything, mm-hmm. and the fact that he didn't study doesn't prove anything. Yeah. Anyway, um. That's the thing that many students who are stuck at 139, you know, the sufficient necessary flaw is on every single test and it's on every test multiple times. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting a 139, you're basically, you're, you're, it's almost guaranteed that you're missing some of those questions. Those are kind of the easiest ones to, to catch. At first, I think you can make big progress, you know, at least get yourself into the 140s. Yeah by noticing when they do that once in a while and by not falling into that trap so often on the wrong answer choices, because mm-hmm. they're going to, they're going to, they're going to lay traps for you. They're just going to put it in the wrong answers and see if you'll pick it. Yeah. So you really need to understand the, that difference between sufficient and necessary. Anyway, email us. We have other resources we can provide for you. There's blog posts. We have all kinds of videos. There's all kinds of stuff we can do to help you understand that issue. But that's a, that is a necessary um, issue. You have to understand that or else you're not going to achieve your best score. Yeah. Um, okay. Muhammad goes on and says, I am fairly comfortable with logic games. Reading comprehension is my weakest section. English is not my native language and my poor performance is due to a fact that my mind translates it into my indigenous language and then processes it. I guess. And then <laughs> translates it back to English um, for answering the question. Yeah, that's tough. Which, yeah, that's super tough. I am trying to learn new skill and habits for the LSAT, and I truly admire the effort you two are putting in inspiring LSAT students. I am, again, very thankful to you for your precious time. I look forward to listening to your precious advice on the podcast. Best regards, Muhammad. Wow. Cool. Thanks, Muhammad. Um, you, yeah, you know, English has English is not your native language. You're that puts you at a just major disadvantage. There's no way to sugarcoat that. The LSAT is an intense test of English, and when English is not your first language, 
<clears throat> you have, it's just, there's just a, it's an uphill battle. That's not to say it's impossible, but you are, um, you are fighting a very tough battle here. Yeah. Do you have any other advice? Um, I would take it one day at a time and look up words that you don't understand and make flashcards for them because uh, half your battle is just going to be knowing what you're reading. And I suspect that yeah. he's probably running into several words that he doesn't fully grasp. Yeah. And that would help. I bet he's also attempting too many questions. Um, at a 139, my guess is that he's 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 missing half the questions he's attempting. Mm-hmm. And he needs to he needs to be focusing on accuracy. You know, reading comprehension eight points. Yeah. Uh, you should be able to get eight points even if you only read one passage. Actually, you should get more than eight points if you only read one passage. Because you should get all those ones right, and then you should randomly guess on the rest of the section, and you should still get like ten. Mm-hmm. So he needs to slow way down, and he needs to read deeper, read for context, and just figure them out and focus on accuracy. He should be reading two passages until he gets to like 14 points. He should be reading just two passages, not three or four. On logical reasoning, he's only getting 11 per section. So he should be attempting like maybe 15, 16 questions, something like that. Uh, yeah, at most. And right. and try to get, yep, 15 questions and try to get 13 of those right. That's your shortest route to improvement on logical reasoning. On games, I mean, games is his biggest opportunity to improve. As an engineer, he, you know, and it's not, the games is, it's not nearly as um, critical, the the you just don't have to read nearly as much. So on games, you know, his best route is to score perfectly. Basically mm-hmm. he, he need he's going to need a perfect score on games in order to reach uh, 155 or whatever. Yeah. Good luck, Muhammad. Thanks for listening. Thanks for writing. It's very nice email. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. I should probably call it uh, quits here, Nathan, but, um, okay. Yeah. Good show as always. Um, hopefully, people had a good laugh there, especially with Splitty. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, thanks for writing, everybody. You can reach the show. Uh, that is help at thinkinglsat.com. You can reach me one on one, Nathan at foxlsat.com. Ben is ben at strategyprep.com. Uh, Matt's going to be using our uh, show Twitter handle, huh? Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. you can follow the show at Thinking LSAT if you want. You can also follow me at NFox if you want. Ben is at Strategy Prep, but he doesn't really do Twitter. Um, not that I really do that much of it either. Yeah, no. One final pitch for the YouTube. ThinkingLSAT.com slash blog slash YouTube. Go there, hit the subscribe button, and we'll never say those words again. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening.